Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's library. All listeners are welcome in my library but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. Again, I have to apologize for releasing this episode later than usual. I think I've figured out all the issues so hopefully we won't have problems with late episode releases in the future. Now on to the fun stuff. We're going to be finishing Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. This episode, I'll be reading chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12. Started. The Mock Turtle's Story. You don't know how happy I am to see you again, you dear old thing, said the Duchess. She tucked her arm into Alice's and they walked off together. Alice was thrilled to find the Duchess with a pleasant temper. Perhaps it was Pepper that made her so angry in the kitchen. Alice didn't like the Duchess so close to her. She was ugly to look at, and she was exactly the right height to rest her chin on Alice's shoulder. Alice didn't like to be rude, so she didn't protest. The Duchess started to talk to Alice, but stopped and turned pale. When Alice looked up, she saw the Queen in front of them. Her arms were folded, and she frowned like a thunderstorm. A fine day, Your Majesty, said the Duchess in a low, squeaky, weak voice. I give you a fair warning, said the Queen to the Duchess. Either you or your head must be taken off. Take your choice this minute. The Duchess quickly took off and never looked back. Let's go on with the game, said the Queen to Alice. Alice was too afraid to disagree, so she slowly followed the queen back to the game. As soon as they approached the field, the queen started to shout, Off with their head! Off with their heads! By the end of the hour, only the queen, the king, and Alice had been spared a sentence of execution. This is most unpleasant, thought Alice. Soon only three of us will be alive. After the game of croquet, the queen said to Alice, Have you seen the mock turtle yet? No, said Alice. I don't even know what a mock turtle is. It's the thing mock turtle soup is made from, said the queen. I never saw one or heard of one, said Alice. Not ever. Come on then, said the queen, and he shall tell you his history. As they walked away, Alice heard the king say in a low voice, You are all pardoned. This made Alice feel quite happy and relieved. No one would be losing a head today. They soon came upon the griffin laying fast asleep in the sun. Up, you lazy thing! Angrily said the queen. Take this young lady to see the mock turtle. She wants to hear his story. I must go back and tend some executions I've ordered. She walked off, leaving Alice alone with the griffin. Although Alice didn't like the look of the griffin, she figured it was safer staying with him than to be left behind with the queen. The griffin sat up and rubbed his eyes. After the queen was out of sight, the griffin chuckled. <laughs> she never executes anyone, you know. This, of course, made Alice feel much better. What an odd queen, said Alice, always shouting and ordering to chop heads off, but never doing so. Alice was glad glad the queen didn't keep her word. Alice and the griffin had not gone far before they saw the mock turtle in the distance. He was sitting with a sad face. He looked lonely on the edge of the rock. 
As they came closer to him, Alice heard him sigh as if his heart would break. They went up to the mock turtle. He looked at them with large eyes full of tears. This here young lady, said the griffin, wants to know your history. I'd tell it to her, but please don't speak until I'm finished. They waited for him to begin. He sat there for a long time. How can one ever finish the story if one never starts, wondered Alice, but she waited patiently. Once, said the mock turtle at last with a deep sigh, I was a real turtle. When we were little, we went to school in the sea. The master was an old turtle. We had the best of educations, reading and writing, of course, to begin with, and in the different branches of arithmetic. We had ambition, distraction, uglification. I never heard of uglification, Alice said. What is it? The griffin lifted up both his paws in surprise. Never heard? He shook his head in disgust. You know what to beautify is, I suppose. Yes, said Alice, doubtfully. It means to make something prettier. Well, then, the griffin went on, if you don't know what to uglify is, you're stupid. Alice felt discouraged and didn't want to ask any more questions about it. Instead, she turned to the mock turtle. What else did you learn? Well, there was mystery, the mock turtle replied, counting out the subjects on his flippers. Mystery, ancient and modern, with geography. Then we had the drawling. The drawling master was an old eel that used to come once a week. He taught us drawling, uh, stretching, and uh, uh, fainting in course. And how many hours a day did you have lessons? Asked Alice in a hurry to change the subject. Ten hours the first day, nine the next, and so on, said the mock turtle. What a curious plan, exclaimed Alice. There's the reason they're called lessons, the griffin remarked, because they lessen from day to day. This was quite a new idea to Alice. She thought it over a little bit before she made her next remark. Then the 11th day must have been a holiday? Of course it was, said the mock turtle. And how did you manage on the 12th? Alice went on eagerly. I so want to know. There's enough lessons, interrupted the mock turtle. Tell her something about the games, said the griffin griffin in a matter-of-fact tone. Chapter 10 The Lobster Quadrille The mock turtle sighed deeply and drew the back of one flipper across his eye. With tears running down his cheeks, he started to speak. You may not have believed much under the sea. Perhaps you never introduced to a lobster? Alice began to say, I ate one once, but caught herself. N no, never, she said. She shook her head from side to side with great speed, hoping he believed her. So, you must not have, you must not have no idea what a delightful thing a lobster quadro dance is, then. No, indeed, said Alice. What sort of dance is it? The griffin spoke up. You must form a line along the seashore. Two lines! 
cried the Mock Turtle. Seals, turtles, semen, and so on. Then once you clear all the jellyfish out of the way, you advance twice. Each time you advance, you're with a partner. And do you know who your partner will be? A lobster, of course, said the Gryphon. Of course, said the Mock Turtle. You then throw the lobster as far out in sea as you possibly can. Swim after them. You must, uh, you, you mustn't forget to swim after them, said the Mock Turtle. Turn a somersault in the sea, cried the Mock Turtle, flapping about. Over and over you go. Change lobsters again, yelled the Gryphon at the top of his voice. Then back to land again, the Sita, said the Mock Turtle. The two animals that had just been jumping wildly about seconds before now sat down and looked dreadfully sad. It must be a very pretty dance. Would you like to see a little of the lobster quadril? Quadril, asked the Gryphon. Very much indeed. Let's try the first part, said the Mock Turtle to the Gryphon. We can do it with our lobster, you know, which one of us shall sing. Oh, you sing, you sing, said the Gryphon. I've forgotten the words. So they began solemnly dancing around and around Alice. Every now and then they stepped on her toes when they passed too close. They waved her forepaws to mark the time with the mock, while the Mock Turtle sang a slow, sad song. We have you like a little faster, said a whitey to a snail. There's a porpoise close behind us, and he's trading on my tail. See how eagerly the lobster and the turtles all advance. They are waiting on the shingle. Will you come and join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you join the dance? Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you join the dance? You can really have no notion how delightful it will be when they take us up and throw us with the lobsters out to sea. But the snail replied, too far, too far, with a look of askance. She, he said, thanks, dear white incarnate, but he would not join the dance. Would not, could not, would not, could not, would not, could not join the dance. Would not, could not, would not, could not, could not join the dance. What matters it how far we go? His scarly friend replied. For in another shore, you know, upon the other side. The farther off from England, the nearer is to France. Then turn, pay, beloved snail, but come and join the dance. Will you, want you, will you, want you, will you join the dance? We, you, want you, we, you, want you, we, you join the dance. Thank you. It was a very interesting dance to watch, said Alice, feeling quite relieved it was over. And I know all of my listeners are happy that my singing is over. I should have warned you in advance that I sang. That's why I gave it a little accent. The mock turtle singing, so you didn't have to hear my real voice. Uh, so it's actually the mock turtle that's a horrible singer, not Auntie Jojo. Okay, we'll continue. Oh, said the mock turtle. You've seen the whiting? Yes, said Alice without giving much thought. I often see them on my 
she quickly realized that telling them that she ate them for dinner was not the best idea. I don't know where they may be, said Mock Turtle, but if you see them, then you'll know what they're like. I believe so, said Alice. They have their tails in their mouths. Yes, that's right, said the Mock Turtle, turning to Griffin. Tell her why they have their tails in their mouths. The reason, said the Griffin, is that they would go with the lobsters to the dance. So they would were thrown out to sea. They had to fall a long way. So they got their tails stuck in their mouths and couldn't get them back out. That's all. Thank you, said Alice, trying her best to be polite. I never knew so much. Um, it's all very interesting. Now, come on. Let's hear some of your adventures, said the Mock Turtle to Alice after the dance. I'm sure you have lots to share with us. Uh, I could tell you about my adventures, especially if I begin from the morning, said Alice a little timidly. But it's no use in going back to yesterday, because I was a different person then. Explain all that. Oh, no. The adventure first, said the Gryphon impatiently. Explanations take such a dreadfully long time. So Alice began telling them her adventures from the time when she first saw the white rabbit. After a while, the Gryphon asked, Would you like to dance again, or shall the mock turtle sing the song? A song, if you please, said Alice. Sing her turtle soup, will you, old fellow? When the mock turtle finished, thank goodness I don't have to sing in an accent again. I know you all are happy. When the mock turtle finished, the griffin cried out, Sing it again! Sing it again! The mock turtle had opened his mouth to sing once again when the cries of, the trial beginning, the trial is beginning, were heard in the distance. Come on, cried the griffin, and taking Alice by the hand, they hurried off. What trial is it? Alice panted as she ran, but the griffin only answered, come on, and they ran faster. Chapter 11, Who Stole the Tarts? The king and queen of hearts were seated on their throne when Alice and the griffin arrived. A great crowd had assembled around the thrones. The knaves stood before them in chairs. A soldier stood on each side to guard them. Standing near the king was the white rabbit. He held a trumpet in one hand and a scroll of parchment in the other. In the very middle of the court was a table with a large dish of tarts. They looked so delicious that it made Alice quite hungry just to look at them. I wish they'd get the trial done, she thought, and hand out the refreshments. But there seemed to be no chance of this, so she started looking at everything around her to pass the time. Alice had never been in court before, but took pride that she knew so much about it from her studies. That's the judge, she pointed out, because he's wearing a great white wig. The judge was really the king wearing his crown over his wig and looking quite silly. And that's the jury box over there, with those twelve creatures inside. The jurors were writing on their slates. What are they doing? asked Alice. The trial hadn't started yet. The griffin replied, They're writing their names down now in case they forget them by the end of the trial. How silly, she started to say but closed her mouth quickly. The white rabbit had called. Silence in the court! 
The king had put his glasses on to see who was making all the noise. Herald, blasted the king, read the charges. The white rabbit stood and blew his trumpet three times. He unrolled the parchment paper, cleared his throat, and read, The queen of arts, she made some tarts all on a summer's day. The knave of arts, he stole the tarts and took them away. Consider your verdict, said the king. Not yet, not yet, said the rabbit. There's a great deal to come before that. We cannot consider the verdict yet. The king rolled his eyes. Call the first witness, then. The white rabbit blew three blasts from the trumpet and called out, First witness! The first witness was the hare. He came in with a teacup in one hand and a piece of bread and butter in the other. I beg your pardon, your majesty, he began, for bringing these into court, but I hadn't quite finished my tea when I was sent for. Take off your hat, the king said to the hatter. It isn't mine said the hatter. Stolen! the king exclaimed, turning to the jury, who instantly made a memo of the fact. Well, you keep them to sell, the hatter added as an explanation. I'm a hatter, you know. The queen put on her glasses and stared hard at the hatter. The hatter turned pale and fidget, fidgeted. Give your evidence, said the king, and don't be nervous or I'll have you executed on the spot. This did not seem to encourage the witness at all. He shifted from one foot to the other, and he looked uneasily at the queen. In his confusion, he bit a large piece out of his teacup instead of bread and butter. Just, this, just at this moment, Alice felt a very curious sensation. This puzzled her a good deal until she figured out she was beginning to grow larger again. She thought at first that she should get up and leave the court. Then she decided to remain where she was as long as there was room. I do wish you wouldn't squeeze me so, said the mouse, who was sitting next to her. I can hardly breathe. I can't help it, said Alice. I'm growing. You have no right to grow here, said the dormouse. Of course I do. You're growing here too, said Alice. But I grow at a normal pace. You grow a ridiculous one. With that, he got up and moved from the, to the other side of the courtroom. The king boomed. As I said, I'll have you executed if I don't hear your evidence. I don't care how nervous you are. I'm a poor man, your majesty, the hatter began in a trembling voice. I hadn't but just begun my tea, not above a week or so, and with bread and butter getting so thin, and the twinkling of the tea. The twinkling of what? asked the king. It began with the tea, said the hatter. Of course, twinkling begins with the tea, said the king sharply. Do you take me for a dunce? I'm a poor man, the hatter went on, and most things twinkle after that tea. Only the March Hare said, I didn't... The March Hare interrupted in a great hurry. I didn't say a word. You did, said the Hatter. I deny it, said the March Hare. All of it. He denies it, said the King. Leave out that part. After that, said the Hatter, I cut some more bread and butter. What did the Dillmouse say? asked a juror. I can't remember, said the Hatter. 
You must remember, said the king, or I'll have you executed. The hatter dropped to one knee. I'm a poor man, your majesty. You're a poor speaker, said the king. One of the guinea pigs cheered and was immediately taken out of the court. Ah, said Alice, I've read that judges warn others not to applaud until the end of a trial. Now I know what happens if they do. She was quite pleased with herself. And if that's all you know about it, you may go, said the hatter, said the king. The hatter left the court in a hurry without waiting to put on his shoes. Just take his head off outside, said the queen to one of the officers. But the hatter was out of sight before the officer could get to the door. Call the next witness, said the king. The next witness was the cook. She carried the pepper shaker in her hand. Alice knew it was the cook even before she entered the court because everyone started sneezing. Give your evidence. Can't said the cook. What? The king spoke. Well, then tell me what the tarts are made of. Peppa mostly, said the cook. Molasses, said a sleepy voice behind her. It was the dormouse. The queen shrieked. Get that mouse out of here. Behead him off with his whiskers. The whole court became a chaotic scene as they removed the mouse. By the time everyone settled back into their seats, the cook had disappeared. Never mind, said the king. Call the next witness. Alice watched the white rabbit as he fumbled over the list. He was feeling very curious to see what who the next witness was. For they haven't much evidence yet, she said to herself. Not much at all. Imagine to her surprise the white rabbit read out loud the next name on the list. Alice! Chapter 12, The Evidence Here cried Alice, quite forgetting in a flurry of a moment how large she had grown in the past few minutes. She jumped up in such a hurry that she tipped over the jury box. This caused all the jury members to tumble over onto the heads of the crowd, of the crowd below. The jurors lay sprawled about. It reminded Alice very much of a fishbowl of goldfish that she had accidentally knocked over the week before. "'Oh, I beg your pardon!' she exclaimed. She picked up each juror as quickly as she could. She feared if they weren't put up, put back immediately into the jury box, they would die just like the goldfish. The trial cannot proceed, said the king in a grave voice, until all jurors are back in their proper places. All jurors. As he stressed the word all, he glared at Alice. Alice quickly looked at the jury box. In her rushing about, she saw that she had put the lizard in headfirst. The poor little guy was waving his tail about. She soon plucked it out and placed it, it, placed it in the right way, much better. The jury soon recovered from the shock of being knocked every which way. Their slates and pencils were handed back to them, and they got set to work. All started to diligently write a history of the incident, all except the lizard, who seemed too overcome to do anything but sit with his mouth open and gaze up at the roof. "'What do you know about this business?' the king asked Alice. "'Nothing,' said Alice. "'Nothing at all?' persisted the king. "'Nothing at all,' said Alice. That's very important, the king said, turning to the jury. They were just beginning to write this down on their slates when the white rabbit interrupted. Um, important, your majesty. You mean it was unimportant, of course, 
he said in a very respectful tone but at the same time he made a strange face as the king spoke unimportant of course i meant unimportant the king hastily said then he started whispering to himself important unimportant important unimportant it was as if he was trying to see which word sounded best some jurors alice could see wrote down the word important and others wrote down unimportant but it doesn't matter thought alice it makes no sense the king who had been busily writing in the notebook called out silence then he read from his book rule 42 all persons more than a mile high must leave court everybody looked at alice she was feeling brave i'm not a mile high you are said the king as he looked her over you most certainly are nearly two miles high added the queen yes at least two miles high well i won't go said alice besides that's not a regular rule you invented it just now it's the oldest rule in the book said the king then it ought to be number one said alice how important can it be if it's rule number forty two the king turned pale and shook his notebook and shut his notebook consider your verdict he said in a low trembling voice to the jury there's more evidence said the queen the paper for instance what is it asked the queen i haven't opened it yet said the white rabbit but it seems to be a there a, a letter written by a prisoner who is it addressed to asked the jury no one said the rabbit in fact there's nothing written on the outside he unfolded the paper and raised his brow it isn't a letter at all it's verses is it in the prisoner's handwriting asked another jury member no it's not said the king the jury looked disappointed then he must have imitated someone else's handwriting said the king the jury brightened up please your majesty said the knave i haven't written they can't prove it there's no name signed at the end if you didn't sign it said the king that only makes matters worse you must have meant some mischief if not you would have signed your name like an honest man everyone clapped it was the first clever thing the king had said all day this proves his guilt of course off with his head said the queen it doesn't prove anything said alice you don't even know what the verses are about read them said the king the white rabbit put on his glasses there was dead silence in the courtroom while he read the set of verses out loud they told me you had been to her and mentioned me to him she gave me a good character but said i could not swim he sent them word i had not gone we know it to be true if she should push the matter on what would become of you i gave her one they gave him two you gave us three or more they all returned from him to you though they were mine before if i or she altered this affair he trusts to you to set them free exactly as they were my notion was that you had been before she had this fit an obstacle that came between him ourselves and it <clears throat> don't let him know she liked them best for this must be a secret kept all the rest between yourself and me that's the most important piece of evidence we've heard 
said the king. But can anyone explain the meaning of it? asked Alice. I don't think there is any meaning to it at all. If anyone can prove me wrong, I'll give him a sixpence. She had grown so tall in the last few minutes that she wasn't a bit afraid to interrupt the king. If there's no meaning to it, it makes it even easier, said the king. He spread the verses out on the table. One verse says, can't swim. You can't swim, can you? He said, looking at the queen. And then pointing back to the knave. The knave shook his cardboard head sadly. The king went on muttering the verses. We know it to be true. That's the jury. If she should push the matter on, that must be the queen. I gave her one, they gave him two. Why, that's what he did with those tarts. But it goes on, said Alice. They all returned him to you. Why, there they are, said the king, pointing to the tarts on the table. Nothing can be clearer than that. Then he scratched his head. Then again, before she had this fit, you never have fits, my dear, he said to the queen. Never, said the queen. Let the jury consider the verdict, said the king. No, no, said the queen. Sentence first, verdict after. Stuff and nonsense. Alice said loudly, the idea of having the sentence first? Who ever heard of such a thing? Hold your tongue, said the queen. I won't, said Alice. Off with her head, the queen shouted. Nobody moved. Who cares for you, said Alice, who had grown to her full size by this time. You're nothing but a pack of cards. At these words, the whole pack of cards rose up into the air and came flying down upon Alice. She screamed and tried to beat them off. Suddenly, she found herself lying on the bank with her head in the lap of her sister, her sister gently brushing away some dead leaves that had fluttered down from the trees on her face. Wake up, Alice, dear. Wake up, said her sister. Why, what a long sleep you've had. Oh, I had such a curious dream. Alice said. She told her sister, as well as she could remember them, all the strange adventures. When she finished, her sister said, It was a curious dream, but now run to your tea. It's getting late. So Alice ran off, thinking, as well she might, what a wonderful dream it had been. Thank you so much for joining me in my library. Next month, the month of May, Thank you so much for joining me in my library. Next month, the month of May, we have a very special birthday month for one of Auntie Jojo's nieces. So we'll be reading something special that month. As always, if you have story suggestions, you can email me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com or send a voice message link on the app that you're using to listen to this podcast. I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.